0: Happy Sabbath and good morning. It's really a privilege to be here in the house of the Lord and for me to break the bread of life today. I just want to invite you to open your Bibles. We'll spend the next few moments in Acts chapter 9. That is where we will be camping today. As I was thinking of what to say today, I, uh, for some reason, I, I continued to come to this chapter. And for those who are, listening online we thank you for being with us and we also have a good number of us here in the sanctuary we praise the lord for that the scripture has been very very well read i just want to read it once again Acts chapter 9, verses 20 to 22, it says, Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem, and has come here for that purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But so increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the cross. Let us pray once again. Father, we want to thank you for this moment. Please bring us to your throne, hide us behind the cross, and may we see Jesus for us this sin. His name and for his sake, amen. Things were different when uh, Paul, Saul actually, converted to Christianity. If we could go back a little, actually just beginning from the very beginning, if we can just go back a little, we will see from Acts chapter 3 that Peter and John go to pray and at the very gate there they meet this lamb man who had been there for a long long time he was born lamb from the very beginning of his conception and they stop and i can just imagine him expectantly waiting and Saying that he was going to be given some money or something. And then Peter says, Silver, oh God, we don't have. But this one thing we have, we will give it to you. And I think at that time the man really literally sat up in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man for the first time in his life, stood up and walked. And instead of going home, he went straight into the synagogue, and the Bible says he was leaping, and praising God. And I'm sure he disturbed what was going on in there. So they take him aside and say, hey, what happened to you? He related this story. And when they heard this was done by Peter and John, they bring them up and they begin to ask them questions. And Peter tells them a little bit about Jesus. And they say, please, for your own sake, never again speak in this name. And then, of course, we know Peter tells them, we will continue to speak in this name because we'd rather obey God rather than obey you. And things got interesting after that because as people began to be added to the church daily, the Bible says the Jews, the, 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 the leadership, the, the high priests and everybody that really was disturbed by what was happening went back to the disciples again and said, you should never do this. And if you do that, you are going to pay with your life. And actually we, we know that soon after that, in chapter seven, they bring... Stephen outside the city to stone him. And as they were stoning him, there was a young man who stood by, very zealous for God, who stood by and they brought their clothes and left them there so that when they stoned this Stephen, the blood wouldn't splash into their nice clothes. So we first meet this young man Saul at that time. And then things progress a little bit more until this Saul becomes so incensed to doing what he did to Stephen to show as examples to others that you are not supposed to speak in that name. And so we come to a point where he goes to the high priest and asks for letters to go to Damascus because when those things started to happen, then disciples scattered. They ran out of Jerusalem because Everyone who called upon Jesus was a target. So they, 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 many of them leave Jerusalem and scatter to other places. And we see this young man go to the high priest and ask for letters to go and arrest these people, bring them back to Jerusalem, and discipline them. You know this story. And that's why I like the Bible because we hear the same stories and still love to hear them some more. And this the the, the 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 scripture reading says that when he converted, and I'm 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 getting there. When Saul finally got converted, he started to preach and started to fellowship with the people that he had gone to arrest. Hence the title of the message today, Hanging Out with the Hangman. In my opinion, God has a very serious sense of humor. And he does things that really confound, confound me. because. Here was a man who was really intent on exterminating the Christians, and he now is seriously and strongly defending the people and the message that he was bent on destroying just a few days earlier. Actually, people say that next to Jesus, probably Paul has been the most influential person in as far as the message is concerned. But before then, he was the greatest weapon Jewish leaders and priests used against Christianity. No Christian wanted to be near him or close to where Paul was, so was. But I can imagine that when he went to the high priest and said, I want to go to Damascus and I need some some letters to give me permission to uh, bring those, uh, those people who ran away. Bring them back here. It was a strange request because the high priest was a Sadducee. Saul was a Pharisee. And the two of them did not really, the two groups, the Pharisees and Sadducees, didn't see things the same way. And so I, I I can just imagine that Saul had to do some convincing to this high priest. And I can imagine even him saying, you know, I think, you know, these people are teaching very dangerous uh, Doctrines here, and they, 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 you know, they, they, they they are, they are intimating that Jesus rose from the dead. As you know, from from what your your group believes, there is no resurrection, and and these people are all over the world teaching that Jesus has risen, and and they're saying that you know they're putting all those blames on you. And so, the high priest gives so permission to go and i believe it's not written there but i believe he gave them the temple police to accompany paul so so that whoever was 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 convicted could come they would bring them to jerusalem in fact the declaration was so broad that you really didn't have to be a Christian. Saul had just to suspect you were a Christian to be bound and brought to Jerusalem. So I imagine as he was given permission and then they made ready the journey and started off. 140 miles I understand Which took about 6 to 7 days If you are by horseback And a little bit more If you went by foot And Just to have a little bit more background On this young man He was a well trained Pharisee From the very beginning In his home Tarsus He was educated, schooled, to be a leader in that community. In fact, to make even that a little bit more reality, they sent him to Jerusalem to study under Gamaliel, who was one of the eminent teachers, rabbis of the time. So later, you know, you could boast that, you know, yeah, you know if, if you are if if talking about this thing, I am a Hebrew of a Hebrew. I have studied under the most prominent people. I know the Pentateuch. I know the Torah. So he knew it. And when he heard about this Jesus and the disciples trying to destroy what he had learned in his youth and in his young age, he was disturbed and he didn't want to have anything to do with that. So anybody who wanted to bear, to, 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 to be associated with that had to go. So I see. The Bible says, verse 1. Then so, chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And this is where I am coming from. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus. I think I could even see him smiling when suddenly, verse 3, a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground. And he heard a voice saying to him, So, so, why are you persecuting me? And I find this interesting. and so ask us a question. Who are you, Lord? I found that question to be very interesting. If you know him as Lord, why are you asking, why, who are you, Lord? But this is the point. Paul was on the way, going to arrest the people of the way and he met the way on the way. And he immediately identified who this person was. Because the Bible says trembling. And in astonishment, he asked the question, who are you, Lord? Lesson number one. Because Jesus asks him a question. In answer, he says, I am Jesus. Whom you are persecuting, it is hard for you to kick against the gods. Lesson number one. Jesus is telling us That when people persecute you, when people revile you, they are reviling him. When you mistreat somebody, you are mistreating Jesus himself. Jesus is telling us that all of us belong to him. And when we want to be mean to people, let us remember who we are actually, ultimately, persecuting. And so, immediately, he asks a question. Now, <laughs> since he begins to be, begin to understand it a little bit, he, be, he asks a question. In verse six, trembling and astonished, the Bible says. Paul, uh, Saul says, Lord, what do you want me to do? I always say, if you, if, if you don't want to do something, don't ask Jesus a question because he was going to give you an answer. But I remember the thief on the cross. At the moment of reflection, because I can imagine that Paul knew, so knew who Jesus was. Not intimately, but he had met him in the person of Stephen. He had met him in the studies. But this time he has come face to face with him. Because actually the Bible says when he was talking, he was talking to somebody, the people didn't see who he was talking to. But they were hearing what he was saying. So when Saul asked the inevitable question, Jesus has to give him an answer. What should I do? And Jesus, again, the sense of humor the Lord has, he doesn't answer him. He just says, arise and go into the city and you'll be told, what you must do. In the book Acts, the Acts of Apostles, page 115, we read, Upon the soul of the stricken Jew, in this case, so, the image of the Savior's countenance was imprinted forever. The word spoken struck home to his heart with appalling force." Into the darkened chambers of the mind, there poured a flood of light, revealing the ignorance and the error of his former life and his present need of the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells him, It is hard for you to kick against the gods. Several things can be said about that, but in a nutshell, Jesus is asking Paul, Saul. Jesus is asking us. It is difficult to go against your conscience, isn't it? You know what to do, and you continually fight doing what you know. And immediately, Saul's darkness started to have some light. He remembered a few things about this Jesus that he was fighting against. And in his blindness, he saw Jesus. Briefly, he opened up his eyes and saw nobody. Because the scriptures say that. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But then the very people who he led, led him by the hand into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight and did not eat or drink. Can you imagine how humble or humiliated Saul must have been? He had gone there with pomp and I think he expected to be received in the same way but goes into the city blind and not seeing. And they lead him to the house of Judas. And for three days, as the Bible says, Saul has an intense time to seriously think about his life. And for three days, he was blind. But again, the Bible says that in those three days, God was preparing another apostle. He went to Ananias. When we read from verses 10 to verse 16, Jesus was preparing another servant. And as Paul, as Saul, is reflecting on his experience to Damascus, is is reflecting on his life from the very beginning, wondering what this might be, I know it's not written, but I I imagine him just saying, he could have killed me. But he didn't. I don't deserve life right now, but I'm alive. This man must really love me. Because as he's thinking of these things, God goes to Ananias, verse 10, now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said, in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. Different from the question that Paul asked. So the Lord said to him, verse 11, Arise and go to the street called Straits and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. I like the following uh, following verse. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. In other words, Lord, no, not me. I I, I know this man. I've heard of this man. Please, not me. But the Lord said to him, verse 15, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles kings And the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Second thing that we learned about this is just how much God loves all of us irrespective of where we come from, the the things that we believe or not believe. My question or my lesson is, reflecting on your life, have you had any Damascus experience? I know some of you were born in the church, but even then, Have you had an experience like Saul had? When he had to turn his life 180 degrees. I remember myself, I've had many of those things. But one of the things that I struggled with, I wasn't born an Adventist, was the Sabbath. In my, in my opinion, in my mind, this was the most useless commandment God could ever give. I could understand that don't have any other gods before me because if there's only one God, hey, who can argue with that? Since we don't know him, since we haven't seen him, how can we make even any graven image for him? Since I don't want to die, why should I kill somebody? Since I don't want people to steal my things, why should I steal? So those made sense, but then remember the Sabbath day, who cares? So for a long time, I fought the thought of worshiping on Sabbath. In fact... My, 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 my brother was uh, an, evan- uh, an evangelist for the church and he could bring his Bible, I bring my Bible and then we discuss things and I say, why can't you be a seven day Adventist? And then he says, when you understand how sweet the Sabbath is, when you understand who said the Sabbath, you will have a different perspective. And I thank God for my father, my, my brother. I thank God for my God who led me to this truth. The Sabbath is a wonderful gift from God. The memorial of his creation. What would I do without it? Sometimes I think he just made it for me have become very selfish and so and Ananias goes to this man verse 17 and he went and entered the house the bible says and laying his hands on him we said brother Saul can you imagine Just a few seconds, he he, he wasn't talking about Brother Saul. He was talking about this assassin. And he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, I like this. Who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in verse 18, immediately, there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. and he rose and he was baptized. Now, verse 19 is the main message for today. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul, the hangman. Hang out with the disciples in Damascus. I love that. Yes, the hangman hung out with the people. He came to hang. But see the process. So is there to Judah's home. God goes to Ananias' home. And then the two become brothers. It said, listen, God loves you. God loves me. And he thinks volumes about us. He knows our names. He knows our addresses. We are the apple of his eyes. He tells others that we matter to him. What troubles him, troubles us. what troubles us, troubles him. He knows us individually and is touched with a feeling of our infirmities. He knows the very house in which we live. He has at times sent people to our offices, to our homes, so that we can be reminded of him. The question to you, the question to me today, is whom has God challenged you to approach lately? What has been your answer? And as we know, Paul saw became a mighty instrument in God's kingdom. Says immediately he started preaching and spent some time with the disciples. Isn't that nice? When God comes, reconciles, feuding brothers and sisters, he reconciles families, he reconciles co workers, he reconciles neighbors, and they begin to live in harmony with each other. Immediately, verse 20, he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. 21. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? We do not know how long he spent visiting with his fellow believers but we know that Saul started rejoicing with his fellow disciples. So the persecutor, spent time in the synagogues of Damascus preaching Jesus as the Messiah to the people he had come to arrest. And Saul used the thorough knowledge and training that he had and started to convincingly defend the cause of Christ. Now, that confused Jews because he was so sold out that the Jews in Damascus wanted to kill him and started guarding the city, and his friends you know, sent him down from the war in a basket. This is what we read from the Acts of the Apostles. Paul had formerly been known as as a zealous defender of the Jewish religion and untiring persecutor of the followers of Jesus. Courageous, independent, persevering. His talents and training would have enabled him to serve in almost any capacity. He could reason with extraordinary clearness, and by his withering sarcasm, could place an opponent in no enviable light. And now the Jews saw this young man of unusual promise united with those whom he formerly persecuted and fearlessly preaching in the name of Jesus. Friends, Saul's conversion was one of the most miraculous events orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. Let me rephrase. Your conversion, my conversion, my acknowledgement of Jesus is the most miraculous thing that ever happened to us. Because other things being equal, we wouldn't be here. But God saw fit that in our own way, we meet the way, on the way to Damascus. In fact, one can surmise that really when Paul was, Saul, was, Paul, Saul was persecuting the church, He didn't know Jesus that much. He had heard of him. Now he came to know him. I like our mission statement. To know Jesus, to reflect his character, and to share him among the people. That's what we are here for, friends. When we know him as we should know him, we will do that. And when Paul came to know Jesus, he was a different person. My message to us today is that we should know Jesus. We should reflect his character. And we should share his message to whoever is willing to listen. It is really encumbered upon us to know this Jesus. It is encumbered upon us to appoint this Jesus to others. In times like these, friends, we need him. Because when Christ comes into our lives, he should transform us so completely that even souls that are born in the likeness of Satan can be transformed in the image of the Son of God. This change is a miracle of miracles in itself. It is a miracle that is brought by the word of God. It is one of the deepest mysteries of the word. We cannot understand it. We can only believe it. When we have Christ in us, the hope of glory, we will have our turn to be sold out and to tell somebody about him. I strongly believe that all of us matter to God. And as such, we should treat each other kindly. I believe strongly that all of us have had up Damascus Road experiences where we have met Jesus at our deepest need. And our conscience has told us to believe in him with all the evidence that he has provided. If we haven't come to that point yet, I ask, what is holding you back? It is my out belief that God intimately wants to work in us and with us he knows our names he knows our dest- uh, our, our our addresses and is constantly knocking at the doors of our hearts and is challenging us today to know him as we should and then share him with others because he died for us. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing that he can do not to save us. Can we take him up? Can you take him up on that offer? It's my prayer today that as we get out of this sanctuary today, that that will be our wish and hope. And when things begin to happen to us, let us know that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I am going to pray, and then as has been the custom these days, uh, Elder Bryant is going to stand here, I'm going to stand there, and if there's anybody who would like to visit with us, we'll be happy to pray with you. Let us pray. Loving Father in heaven, we are so grateful. Thank you for reminding us that all of us have got rebellious spirits sometimes, like so. But to love us so much that sometimes you have to blind us in order to see Can we see you in your fullness, Lord Jesus? Therefore, Lord, dismiss us from this place, but not from your presence. For we ask it in the loving name of Jesus and for his sake we pray. Amen.